0: What do you know about that, man? (laughs) That was pretty fun.
1: (laughs) This might be one of the quicker podcasts we've ever done because I have a deer calling my name. Oh, well, I don't really. I mean, that's something we'll talk about today. Uh, I say we just jump into it because like I said, when I get done here today, I'm swinging by on the way home and I'm going to Whatever light I have left, I'm putting in the stand,
2: so.
0: Well, as soon as we get out of here, I'm running straight to the truck. I'm going to drop this off, go to the truck, heading straight to rigs. Go fishing. So it's
2: deer season. Let's get h- out there in the woods. <laughs> <laughs> That's what we got on the call-in show. Yeah. They were mad that you guys should be out, of, out from behind the desk and uh, in the woods.
1: Okay. Well, you know, it wasn't during gun season or whatever, so. Yeah. Um, let's just jump into it. I'm Chase Winninger, host of the podcast, Lee McClellan. I hope everybody's doing well. Co-host of the podcast, and today's guest, Gabe Jenkins. Gabe. Huh.
2: Okay, thanks for having me on.
1: <laughs> so, so Gabe, you're Deer and Elk Program Coordinator. For people who might not have heard you on before, what's that mean?
2: So, in charge of the program that where we look at all of our deer and elk populations, we set season structures, frameworks, bag limits, everything to do with deer and elk hunting in the state kind of runs through our program.
1: So, I mean, that's kind of the whole reason we wanted to have you on right now is because mm-hmm. it's that time of year. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you're a, a hunter, you are probably you probably have deer on the brain. Yep right now and a lot's been i mean i've been hunting literally every single day and i see you know so much has changed in the past two or three weeks as far as how the deer are acting you know what's going on with the deer then of course modern firearm season is two days from it's this saturday around the corner so everybody's getting amped up for that i'm sure so we wanted to have you on to talk about deer hunting and i kind of have a list here uh i think maybe we could talk about well i wanted to say a few things that i've seen happen in the woods and whatnot but uh kind of go over what people need to be thinking about, maybe how to hunt right now. If you're a bow hunter or if you're a gun hunter, cause I mean, different tactics, obviously. Um, talk about the importance of gun hunters a little bit I, you know mm-hmm. there's a lot of debate gun hunting versus bow hunting but i mean the truth is people just gun hunters are extremely important to our management right huge and they deep. are they're
2: mm-hmm. what drives it
1: you know so much more about that than i do so i was hoping maybe we could take advantage of your knowledge mm-hmm. while you were here and then ehd and cwd just mm-hmm. briefly hit on that i hunt shelby county which has been i think the hardest hit county with ehd so far it's one of three counties well, on the you, map that so, are yeah. i'm not sure if it has the highest number but i know people have found a lot of dead deer mm-hmm. so maybe touch on that I did put some fillers out on the social media earlier and should have some uh, questions we cool. can answer. And then I wanted to see if anything new was going on. And then, of course, we'll do two minutes on sports at the very end. So where's my cell
2: phone? We're going to talk to you, or OSU football?
1: OSU. Is that, are you an
2: OSU fan? you dang right. Man.
1: But well, you you're a colonel there. though,
2: right? Yeah, I'm a colonel, but still.
1: Yeah, you, but here's the thing, because I'm a colonel
0: too. Yeah. Me too. You can be a Colonel and <laughs> you definitely need to have another yeah, sport. Yeah, you no got to have another no yeah, <laughs> I was there when kid, though. In I that. was there in the in heyday where we were winning championships. I was
2: there when Roy was going out. Yeah. So oh, yeah. he was there my freshman year. So that was a late 90s or we
1: something had, like that? Yeah. I, I was, was there. there a, a he team. had uh, oh, Marcus okay.
0: Thomas and Tim Lester. Tim Lester went on to become starting fullback for the Steelers. Uh, Jerome Bettis said, if he's not with me, I'm not signing a contract. Well, and Marcus Thomas at the time was OVC's leading rusher of all time. We had a, uh, And we had a great running quarterback by the name of Lorenzo Fields against Moorhead State. We were up 38-24 while he was still in the game. I saw him get his leg broken. Uh, well, Guy rolled up on him from behind. Joey Crenshaw came in. We lost. <laughs> we lost to Marshall. He threw an interception with six seconds left. We lost thirteen to seven. If he hits that, picked the extra point, we win the game. We go to the national championship. Lee, it was heartbreaking.
1: E- I'm extremely impressed with your knowledge and memory of EKU. But I mean, I'll be honest well, we with you. We fire the cannon. And- we we can't talk sports at the beginning. And even All if right. we do talk sports, EKU. Not good
0: for you. Oh, come
1: on, hey, that, that was killer yeah. back then. I mean, yeah. We were good. We can talk OSU because honestly, OSU. I made a friendly bet with one of my buddies this year. He's an OSU fan, and basically, he took OSU, and I took Bama. And if neither one of those two teams wins, then we're both off the hook. But right now, you know, I'm kind of nervous. <laughs> OSU looks really good under Ryan Day. All right. Yep. Back to, uh, back, to stuff. back to what we came here to talk about.
0: So, yeah, Colonel football. That's what we do. <laughs> <laughs> the,
1: uh, the official podcast of Colonel football. <laughs> you
0: know,
1: so uh, just real quick, you know, I've been, like I said, hunting every single day. And I've told you this before, but I, so I had a deer patterned early season. I was after. And then he disappears, right? When mm-hmm. season comes in, right? It's actually the week before season. And I spent the next month and a half trying to figure out where the heck he went. So I was bouncing around, running cameras all over the place. I took tarsal glands off a buck that um, Brooks killed back in early October, hung those in a tree, put a camera over it. Two days later, he was, I had him, right? And then he kind of went MIA again. So I made a mock scrape a couple weeks ago He was back two days later, back on that mock scrape. And then he's been MIA since then. Until three days ago, a guy that hunts a form half mile away from me sends me a trail cam fix. He's got my number one and my number two biggest deer on his trail camera hanging out on that property. So the deer have kind of moved, you know, moved off. And I just think they're being much more active. Like I think at any point in time, even though those deer have been half mile away, that I'm just as likely to see them in one of my stands as he is in his because they're just covering ground. Mm -hmm. Oh, absolutely. I'll get out there and I'll see does, you know, just hike across a field a thousand yards. And I'm Mm -hmm. like, well, these deer could literally be anywhere right now. It's not like they're holding tight to one small patch of woods. The spotty mass play a role in that? Uh, That's a question for
2: Gabe. Yeah, I mean, for your does, absolutely. For your bucks, yeah, they're really not thinking about food a whole lot. I mean, they're going to eat when they get the opportunity, but they got one thing on the brain. It's not food.
1: And it's been that way for the past couple of weeks, in my opinion. I've seen the buck activity pick up. You know, they're more likely to come into the field over the past couple of weeks just to check a deer or just Mm -hmm. to, you know, square up with another buck. Uh, The does are just out there feeding. So people always ask, is the rut started? Is the rut started? Well, When's the rut start, Gabe?
2: Well, good question. I yeah. mean, it, it all depends on where you are. I mean, the rut is a very all encompassing term for the breeding season. I mean, we've got does coming in and out of cycle. They're all yeah. coming in. It's when the majority, when you really think about what the true rut is, it's when the majority of your does are all in yeah. at one time. I mean, so the, yeah. when everybody's in on estrus. So for us, it kind of depends on where you are in the state. Usually the inner bluegrass is a region that gets usually traditionally comes in earliest. Mm -hmm. It's usually the latest in western Kentucky Mm -hmm. from all of our all of our data. So, um, but we're we're right there. I mean we're we're in that time frame right now where we're looking at the peak breeding opportunity, which is different when you talk to the hunters. I mean the rut is really your lockdown. That's when when all the does are being serviced with those males that they're not moving much so you get that activity that that pre-chase going on lockdown and then post yeah so i mean it's so random this where t- you
1: are this time of year right here where we're at is my favorite time yeah. to hunt because the bucks are not nocturnal they're active i had, i mean i got my trail camera sent me pictures an hour ago of deer mm-hmm. on ma- hitting scrapes yep. you know what i mean so right now when i when i'm hitting the woods I'm not necessarily thinking about, you know, where they're feeding at, where they're, I'm more or less trying to hit funnels and pinch points and in places where I think they're more likely to travel through. Cause I think those bucks are just up on their feet, cruising, hitting scrapes, checking different areas. And I mean, what do you think about that?
2: Yeah. I mean, it's travel corridors for me as yeah. well. It's yeah. not so much food. I'm, I'm thinking about travel corridors and I'm thinking about where do the does on the property that I have frequent the most. Yeah. And then I'm trying to get in there with them yep. and find a place that I'm going to have a decent opportunity for visuals and for shots.
1: Yeah, for sure. And that's like, and it's different for a bow hunter versus a gun hunter. And I think that's something that, you know, I, I'm not sure what percentage of our listeners are bow hunters, what percentage, you know, does what, does deer season start in November for a certain mm-hmm. group of people, you know? So if you're bow hunting, travel corridors, things that we were just saying, because you're trying to get within 30 yards of where right. this deer is going to be. But if you're gun hunting, then would you say maybe look for that more open area where you can see a little bit more? Yeah, I'm
2: going to look for more of an open woods, you know, edge of a field somewhere where they're going to... You've got you can use the gun to your advantage. Get that 300 yard view um, is what I would prefer to do. So I mean I, I hunt every weapon that comes in. So I've got bow stands, I've got gun stands, and that changes depending on what the season looks like and what's going on.
1: I've been pretty lucky in the past years to tag out you know in October or early November with my bow at the worst. But this year, I mean I'm taking that 2250. It's not the best deer rifle, but that's one I trust the most taking that rifle with me tomorrow, and I'm gonna you know shoot it afterwards just to make sure I'm still good, and I'm, I plan on having that bad boy out there on Saturday for sure. Just because, I mean, it's fun. Gun hunting's a, a lot of fun. And like we were saying earlier, I mean, it's a it's a management tool. I get out there and I usually lay the smack down on does during mm-hmm. during rifle season. And so speak a little bit to that, about the numbers of, of the harvest percentage maybe that is firearms versus, versus archery, or do you, Know that off the top yeah, of Yeah, I
2: mean, about 70, 75, 76% of our harvest comes from firearms, um, you know, plus or minus three or four, depending on the year. Breaking that down on farther, um, about 10% of that is muzzleloader, mm-hmm. uh, 10 to 12 is going to be archery, and the rest is crossbow. So huh. three-fourths of our, of our deer harvest comes in 16 days. So a large number of deer are going to hit the ground in a very short time frame.
1: And the harvest is the management.
2: Yep. I mean, I mean, that's we, we look at when we set our season, the way we structure our bag limits, it's directly related to what we think will happen during gun season. Mm-hmm. And and really, it's it's really opening weekend and the second weekend. If we have bad, bad weather opening weekend, the entire season will be a bust because of that. Because mm-hmm. it's all about participation. If the weather's nice, it's good deer hunt weather, it'll drive a good season. If it's crappy and windy and rainy or hot, that number's going to be down and that will... That will change the trajectory of our overall season, for sure.
0: Based on what you're seeing weather-wise, it looks like it's setting up perfectly. Oh, we should be fantastic. Cold Friday. We had a beautiful pattern coming into
2: this. It's held nice. It's going to be cold this weekend. Mm -hmm. Could be real cold uh, later. That's better than hot. Oh, yeah. Yeah, great, great hunting weather, for sure. So a
1: minute ago, I was kind of talking about how the season had gone so far and what I'd tried to do as far as locating this buck and you know making the mock scrape and using tarsal glands off another buck to relocate him or to to find him and then i kind of said that you know even though he's not been on the property or on trail camera recently i still feel like he or another good buck i've never seen before could show up at any time right mm. last night my buddy uh scott went hunting and he was literally texting us from the stand like i'm wasting my time i don't have any shooters like he hasn't had a shooter on camera all year and uh, he just put the tape to the deer he shot last night, about an hour ago and went 163. Oh, okay. hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, you know what I mean? Like, I'm kinda open to be Scott tonight mm-hmm. or maybe tomorrow night mm-hmm. or tomorrow morning. or Every time I hit the stand, I'm basically hoping to... <laughs> high
2: hopes right now. Yeah, yeah, high hopes, but
1: it's kinda up and down. Like, I have high hopes because of the time of year it is. You know, just, you can walk outside right now and it just feels like deer hunting, yeah. you know? Mm-hmm. that's what That's what it feels like. Every time I'm outside, I'm wishing I was in the stand. <laughs> But at the same time, like I was saying, I haven't had anything promising on trail camera or seen anything promising with my own eyes for, you know, quite some time. I pulled back on a deer last week, 45 yards. He, I was waiting for him to take a couple more steps. He never did. Just turned around and went and made a scrape. I grunted and rattled him in, made a scrape, and then he took back off into the woods. I never got a really clear look at him, but I'm pretty sure he was a shooter. So maybe I've seen one good deer this year. But point being, if you're a deer hunter just because you've been running trail cameras and might not have seen much doesn't mean that something's not going to come cruising through because that's how a lot of big deer get yep. get harvested mm-hmm. and I mean like we kind of touched on where to hunt why to hunt it whether you're a bow hunter or a gun hunter right now. Well, let's see, I said earlier that EHD, I'll let you sneeze <sighs> or almost a
2: sneeze. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Crap. I said earlier EHD had hit. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, I knew it was coming.
2: Oh, I couldn't stop it.
1: That's fine. <laughs> um, I got a limiter turned on here so it's not going to blow the audio <laughs> out. I um, said earlier EHD had hit this year, right?
2: Correct. Yep. So we have had HD activity, a, a fairly uh, decent outbreak for us.
1: And when I look at the map, because obviously back in 2017 is when it mm-hmm. was really bad, Good. I look at the map and it's in a different area. Mm-hmm. Like in 2017, it was mainly concentrated. You know, For the most part, Eastern Kentucky got hit much harder. Yep. And right now when I'm looking at it, it's showing kind of in the bluegrass region, Shelby, Oldham, and then uh, there's some other counties down in the southern part of the state that have been hit pretty hard too. Um, is there a reason that it's hitting a different area right now?
2: So uh, there's a lot of different factors that play into HD. Um, one, The biggest thing is we have hemorrhagic disease outbreaks in the state Mm -hmm. every year. Mm -hmm. We see it consistently in western Kentucky every year, but at a low level. Mm -hmm. Um, And we've seen that for the last five years. Um, The more severe outbreaks seems to be cyclic in nature. Um, You know, we had it bad in east Kentucky in 2017. We're not seeing it this year. Uh, Now it's, like you said, in the areas we did. Um, It seems to be tied to the Ohio River Corridor at this Mm -hmm. point. Um, Indiana was one of the first to pick it up across the river, Clarksville. Uh, they were getting it, then it kind of hopped the river. Um, so it's it's cyclic a lot of times just because of, of deer age and how deer are on the landscape, where we're getting it every five to six years in an area, and what happens is they're either exposed and they survive or they die from it. So the ones that are exposed and s- survive, what's the li- lifehood of a deer? Three, four, five years, yeah. and then they're dead. So that's why you get this cyclic yeah. pattern is that they've been exposed, they have the antibodies to it, like we do the flu, Mm -hmm. and then they die, we have a whole new crop of animals that are completely naive to the disease that pops back up, we have no resistance to it, off we go again.
1: That's kind of what I was getting at. Yep. Uh, was that, you know, I thought maybe those deer in Eastern Kentucky did have some some immunity built up yep and that's why we are seeing it where we are now.
2: And what's cool is've I've had a lot of calls and images and trail cam photos and uh, pictures of deer that have been harvested in the in the outbreak area this year more than I had in 17 on man, this deer looks awful. I mean mm-hmm. it's a small, really poor bad condition and in most cases that deer's had HD and survived. so it's yeah. a chronic mm-hmm. form. so it's it's lagging on, it's lost a bunch of weight. Um, if you've harvested that deer some good factors to look at. Um, if you open up their stomach, one, if you open up their stomach well, after you get it gutted, if you ever looked at that and you pop that stomach open, it kind of looks like shag carpet. Mm-hmm. All the papillae that stick out, that's how they absorb food. Mm-hmm. When, when they have HD, that will actually slough off and it'll be stunted. So if you can imagine those papillae and you just go in and take a lawnmower to it and shave it down and make it much mm-hmm. shorter, that's what that looks like. So that's a good visual. And then the hooves. Mm-hmm. The hooves are, are what people see. A lot of times those hooves will completely slough off and be gone, or they'll have like a a line in it, Mm -hmm. so it's called a fever line. So when they get HD, they they run a really high fever, and it causes a a line literally to be in the hooves. And you can look at that, and it'll be a ring around the hooves, and that's another good indicator.
1: I was going, I literally left my phone in the other room, which is a a bad deal because I have Instagram question and answer. So at some point I'm going to have to get up and go get my phone. But somebody did send in a photo of a deer's hoof and they asked what's going on here. Mm -hmm. And I was going to, I wanted to show that to you and see if you, because it is just kind of a deformed hoof. It looked like maybe it had HD a year or two ago. I'm not, I'm not sure. I wanted to show it to you to see what you thought. So it It looks soft. It looked like it okay. had been softened.
2: Usually, it's something that I mean that hoof's ever growing, just like your fingernail. So it's going to eventually grow out, and you'll never see that. So a deer that had HD last year, mm-hmm. not, you're not going to see that fever line. Okay. What you would still see is those, is that uh, the papillae in the stomach that doesn't okay. fix. So once they once they've their home their stomachs have had that, they're they're in trouble.
1: So does that permanently affect their ability to yes. absorb this? So they're going mm-hmm. to more likely be unhealthy.
2: Yes, they're going to have a much poor body condition for the rest of their life at that huh. point.
1: Is um, so when you said you'd seen you know all these deer people were sending pictures of deer that it's arrived at it here in the bluegrass region where mm-hmm. it's kind of worse this year. What are the factors to surviving HD? Is it harder out in eastern Kentucky where the landscape's not so forgiving? And uh,
2: it, it all there's so many different factors. One, the condition of the deer prior to the exposure. Okay. And two would be how much the how bad they were exposed. So if you got a big dose of it as a light dose. Mm-hmm. um and then how consistent when that time of frame was and then also for us there was there wasn't a lot to eat you know we had a very long pronounced drought I mean you're mm-hmm. dealing with all of that plus there's not water there's not good food it's really going to you have to go to be in great shape to yep. survive it potentially well, so that's I mean,
1: kind of what I was wondering yeah. because obviously deer numbers are higher in the bluegrass region mm-hmm. than in eastern Kentucky because of the landscape it's just easier for a deer to survive yeah. right and there's all this cropland out here and just more foods available throughout the summer and you know early fall so i i was just kind of thinking that maybe the deer were on average healthier or stronger more able to but that sounds like i was just spitballing
2: yeah i mean it, it really is dependent upon where you're at and what's going on
1: so when we first started the hd topic i uh, referred to it as ehd a couple mm-hmm. times on accident and then you whenever you said hd i realized oh, i've been saying it wrong because we used to call it ehd and we've recently started just calling it hd
2: well what we've what I have tried to make a point to do is call it what it is, hemorrhagic disease, okay. um, and, and, and a lot of the is confusion. We're really bad at acronyms, as, yeah. as did anybody, EHD, CWD, mm-hmm. TB, yeah. and to the novice, like, what the heck, oh, it's got that acronym disease that's out there with, you know, it's got CWD. Yeah. No, it doesn't. So for us, we want to try to be very focused on calling it the disease yeah. what it is. So hemorrhagic disease, there are multiple forms of hemorrhagic disease. It's like a suite of different diseases. So, you have in that e- HD hemorrhagic disease c- classification, you have blue tongue, mm-hmm. um, and then you have EHD or epizootic hemorrhagic disease. Mm-hmm. So, you know, what we experience in Kentucky in most cases is, is EHD, mm-hmm. um, and there's different strains of that and different strains of blue tongue. So, it's, it's a very involved process, and, and I'll go back to I use the example a lot as the flu you know we had swine flu and HN, h1n1 mm-hmm. and all these it's the same concept yeah. it's it's the flu yeah. but it's different strains of it, so same concept so
1: you could technically be correct in calling it ehd or in blue, but you're being 100% correct by calling it hd because that's what it is yep. it's so you're not ta- disease. you're not taking the risk of accidentally mm-hmm. miss i okay well that makes sense but
2: and, and one thing I'll, I'll point out is that depending on what kind of disease you're talking about affects different people mm-hmm. so um, EHD, deer, you know, that's in most of the cases, but blue tongue, deer can get it too. The blue tongue is a big deal in the cattle industry. Mm-hmm. So it, it yeah. really affects cattle. So we want to make sure that we talk about it. We don't want to say, oh, it's got blue tongue because yeah. that's a, that's getting those cattle farmers, their ears perked up. Yeah. We don't have that.
1: Gotcha. Well, that makes sense. Um, some people see sick or dying deer and they think it's CWD, right? Mm-hmm. I'm sure you probably get calls or miss, uh, identification of that all the time. And we've talked quite a bit, you know, as a department on Kentucky Field TV about CWD, but we haven't really hit it with you on the podcast before, right? Right. Nope. So briefly, because all those other media outlets are out there, and we have talked about it with Kyle Sand. Who do we talk Kyle? I think we talked mm-hmm. about it with Kyle. Mm-hmm. But so what's the update on CWD right now, most recent?
2: So CWD, we're, uh, we've had a lot of information out as an agency, really trying to put a focus on it, what we know, what we've done. Uh, we've not detected it detected the disease, but it's really close. Six of six of our seven border states have it. Tennessee is the most concerning. Um, Tennessee is finding it at a very high rate right now, yeah. and it's increasing ever closer to our borders mm-hmm. in western Kentucky. So we are trying as an agency to put more measures in place to try to slow its spread or decrease the chances of it being introduced into Kentucky. Yeah. Um, so that's where we are with things, um, a lot of emphasis, a lot of information we've put out as an agency to, to know what it is and understand it. You know, our hunters are the first line of defense, so we need to educate them, inform them of what mm-hmm. it is, what are the modes of trans- or transmission, and they play a huge role. Mm-hmm. Carcass movement is one of the biggest things that can spread that disease quickly. So we need to inform our hunters, especially those hunters who travel, mm-hmm. what they should and should not do on those harvested deer
1: now recently i can't remember if it was last year when it was but we did change the rules or you change the rules as far as carcass movement mm-hmm. you can no longer transport cervid uh, you, know, you, you you can give me the specifics yeah. but that rule changed it doesn't and i have a question does that go both ways across the board you can't take or does that depend on the state you're going into
2: depends on your state you're going into and where you travel so w- what we did is you cannot bring an entire deer or deer elk carcass into Kentucky mm-hmm. no matter where it's from traditionally you could not bring in that carcass in if it was from a CWD positive state now we just said the borders are closed so if you're a hunter who travels and you you know harvest an elk in Idaho you can't bring that entire carcass back you have to you know debone it take the meat out of it skull cap it cape it out there and then bring the meat back mm-hmm. um, so you know, that's the thing and the concern is is the disease agent that causes CWD the most infectious material in the body of an animal? Is the spinal cord and brain, and so we want to make sure that that material stays there. And then you bring back, you know, the less infectious, the less uh, chances that you could introduce the disease. Yeah,
1: make so. I mean, it's for the herd health. It's for safety Correct. of the yep. So. I don't think that's something anybody looks at as a huge inconvenience, and the benefits much outweigh the, Mm -hmm. you know, you got to clean that deer anyway. You're going to have to cap, it. You're not going to leave the full carcass laying around somewhere. So just take care of where you're at before you bring it back.
2: And what what I usually encourage people to do is, you know, it can be a little bit of a daunting task, especially if it's a male and it's got Mm -hmm. antlers and, Mm -hmm. you you know, you want to do a euro or want to mount the thing. There's a lot of great resources online that kind of show you how to do it. Uh, or you can take it to a local processor or taxidermist. Have them do all that work, have that prep for you, and then bring all that stuff back with you. I mean, by all means, we want to make sure we use our local folks in Kentucky. Mm-hmm. So if you go to Alabama and shoot a deer, want to get it mounted, have that prep work done in Alabama, come back, have it mounted, have it processed yeah. in Kentucky. Yeah.
1: It's not that bad if you're wanting to actually shoulder mount the animal because you got to, you're going to skull cap it to get the shoulder mount anyway. All mm-hmm. the all the taxidermist does is takes the you know the the skull plate right there mm-hmm. where the antlers are attached. That's all they need, so you can. You know, cape it out and then take your hacksaw out and cut that off. If you want a euro mount, that's where it's a little bit trickier because you need the whole skull intact for that. So that's the one you'd probably have to leave there and have them boil it or use the beetles or do whatever they do to get rid of uh... And it.
2: And it depends on the state. You know, I go to Colorado and kind out there, and all the taxidermists offer a 24-hour euro. Okay. If you can drop that off that night. Go to the hotel, get a shower, get cleaned up, and they'll have it ready for you the next day. Already, leave, so oil um, bleach ready to go. That's awesome. It's hmm. a grand, great service that they offer out there. Uh, I'm sure that some
1: people here do that. Maybe the surrounding states should start taking advantage of that more. I mean, with CWD on, you know, I'm, I don't want to say on the rise, but it's showing up in mm-hmm. other states. It hasn't shown up here. It seems like tax service would key into that and kind of be aware of more. No carcass movement laws going into effect and maybe needing to provide that.
2: Absolutely. And a lot of them now are kind of getting on that bandwagon where hey, bring your animal and I'll prep it for you. Yeah. So mm-hmm. they're trying to provide that service to people, I know ultimately they want your business, but yeah. they're at least realizing that there's a need here. I can probably form into this niche and, and help. So well if yeah, that's how that. good business works. You find yeah. a need mm-hmm. and you you mm-hmm. fulfill it. Um anything
1: else on C W D or H D that you wanted to hit on? Oh so the carcass movement law is one thing that hunters need to know, All mm-hmm. right. Another thing that hunters can do right now to help out is report. Yep. So
2: So we have a reporting form on our website right on our main page where it says report sick or dead deer. And we run that thing 24-7. So if you find an animal that is misbeha- or behaving badly misbehaving. or misbehaving, <laughs> yeah. they all misbehave. No, yeah. But if it's uh, behaving weird, you know, it's just off it online it takes just a few minutes to fill it out a minute or two we're going to ask you a little bit specific information about where it is so we know about it and if we can dispatch somebody over to to look at that animal and potentially get a sample
1: because you uh yeah it was explained i think on the on the cwd show that you guys have like a quota of samples Mm -hmm. that you want to get from each county to be statistically valid in your sampling right right so if you get a report from a county then you're like oh we could actually really use that sample i mean you're probably I'm not going to say much more likely, but you know, you're know you going to try to get somebody out there potentially to get a sample if it's fresh, right? For sure.
2: And we have counties where we traditionally struggle mm-hmm. just because there might not be a taxidermist or processor, and it's hard for us to have those connections. So when somebody makes that report, we have the abilities to follow up, get out there. We know where to go look and, and reach out to. So it really helps us in that for sure. So, yeah,
1: you see a sick, dead deer. The, I mean, it's not laying next to the road. It hasn't been shot or anything mm-hmm. like that. Just a, a dead deer or a sick deer. Jump on the department's website, fw.ky.gov, and it's right there. I think it's under important info now. Yep,
2: right yeah, at the bottom. A, yeah.
1: Yeah, it's right there. Report It your was on the video.
2: scroll for a while. Wasn't it, it was. We took it off the scroll now that the kind of the season's over for HD as oh, far as oh. mass deer dials. We've had good frost.
0: Yeah. Yeah, we've so had a couple. everything but chronic is over, correct, okay. on HD?
1: Yep. And that one hasn't started, so thank God. Um,
2: well, the chronic form of HD. Oh, okay. So okay. it's oh, acute. So there's acute and chronic. So acute's the one where they get it and they're dead real quick. Okay. The chronic form of HD is what we're seeing seeing now,
0: where they're. But the acute is toast because of the cold. Correct. Correct. Yeah.
1: Something else that you guys mentioned on the CWD show that I thought was interesting. We're talking about sick deer, deer acting weird, things like that. Mm -hmm. Bucks acting weird this time of year because they've had a brain injury. Yeah. So talk about that because that's something I never had really thought. I don't think I've ever seen it in person. I might have, but
2: talk about that because that's pretty interesting. So brain abscess um, is, is what it is, and essentially it's caused by a break in the pedicle or breaking the skull from fighting. Yeah, So, right, yeah. I mean, whitetail have evolved where their antlers seem to have evolved to grow bigger than what their skulls are, are able to withstand. So we don't see this in elk. Mm-hmm. Um, never see it in elk, but with whitetail we do. It's where they fight and they'll, they'll break off. Uh, part of the pedicle or you know through the through the fighting, it will actually fracture the skull. If you've ever looked at a at a deer skull, you can kind of see the sutures down the middle of mm-hmm. it. It can pull apart there. Basically it, it causes a pinhole or a prick in the in the, the skull. that allows bacteria to get in and then it just festers in the brain to the point where it, it's it's fatal. And and those deer act kind of yep, weird. they're going to act off. They can be aggressive a lot of times. Uh-huh um you know staggering very similar symptoms to cwd or hd in the final stages they're going to look something's going to be off um and you're just going to know it so
0: they crack their skull fighting and bacteria gets in bacteria gets in and
2: then it just expands and replicates as hard as they hit (laughs) i can't believe it doesn't
0: happen like every time
2: and it can happen from from the fighting but it could also happen from a puncture i'm fighting so you know if Mm -hmm. it takes a, a good time right to the the head in the right spot, they
1: can do it as well. I uh, I have this one buck out there who is, his right antler is broken off about four inches up, about right where the brow would come in. And he, I don't know, I mean, I'm not saying that's what it is at all, but he acts different than all the other deer. Yeah. I see him, I mean, he'll come through the same spot on trail camera four or five times a day. I can hunt one stand and he's there, the next morning I can hunt a thousand yards away, he's there. It's like he's just constantly cruising and moving. So I'm like, wait, no, he's actually, he's obviously acting different, but in my mind, I think his rack's probably broken and he's acting different like that because he's just got the hormones going.
2: And I think that's, that is, that is the reason is that they're different just like we are. We've got lovers and we've got fighters yeah. and we all behave differently and respond yeah. to different things. So, I mean, a lot of times you'll see deer that they're, I mean, in their livelihood, they'll break most of the years. Is that because of their nature or is it because of a, a nutrient deficiency? Sometimes you don't know, but... We know some are more transient than others, some are lazier than others, some yeah. like to fight more. It's just, they're different.
1: different. He, uh, I think he's a fighter because he comes yeah. in. I mean, I could, I could, I bet you I could go out there right now, clank <laughs> those horns together. And if he was within 400 yards, I bet you he's going yeah. to come coming and say, like, he hates my grunt call or something. He, he wants that thing dead, but he, he's just active. I wish a big shooter buck would act like yeah. that right now. That'd be nice, but <laughs> probably wouldn't live that long. No, no, <laughs> right. yeah, for sure. Um, I wanted to hit, is there anything else, CWD or HD, that you want to hit on? We kind of hit the the highlights there, right?
2: Yeah, I think it's... Uh,
1: report sick deer. Don't bring carcasses into the state. Um, and, you know, just know that the department's working, you know, constantly monitoring, constantly sending off samples and looking for it. We don't have it yet. And if we do find it, then you've got a whole set of protocols yep. and a whole process of what's, what's going to happen to contain it and hopefully take care of it.
2: I guess the only thing disease-wise is is TB or tuberculosis. There's been a lot in the news this year about TB, TB and deer. It was the same way last year. It's kind of all across, went went viral. Um, Where we deal with that TB and deer is in the state of Michigan. Uh, Mm -hmm. We've never detected TB in Kentucky. Um, Michigan, they've had TB and deer for 30 or 40 years now. It's in the northern portion of the Lower Peninsula, um, that's where it is. Michigan's done a great job on providing public awareness, and to the point where everybody thinks, that, thinks, thinks it, they've yeah. got it. Tuberculosis yeah. is rampant, yeah. right? And we don't have it, so I mean, that's the thing: is uh, we don't have it, we don't want it, and it's it's not here. Nothing Are there to be concerned about
1: any concerns at all for hunters as far as eating meat in Kentucky?
2: No, as far as what we have. Now, I will always say is that if a deer is sick and you see open wounds and and it's just in bad shape, I don't recommend you eat it. I mean, mean, there might not be a disease like EHD or TB or or CWD, but they could have pneumonia. They could have been hit by a vehicle. They could have been septic. They could have a lot of other things that are going on that are going to affect its condition. Yeah. And so, you know, especially for a a hunter who's who's harvested a handful of deer, you're going to know when something's off. And Mm -hmm. I'm just not personally that hungry. It's not worth the risk. If that deer's just got an odor that's not rut and buck odor. Yeah doesn't look right things it's just you know take some pictures call us contact our staff we can look at it make some determinations you'll have to make that call yeah uh, but there's a lot of experts out there so take some pictures we all got smartphones yeah. mm-hmm. that rutting buck odor's one of my favorites oh, i mean it not is, on my meat though
1: is, not on the meat but man <laughs> i love it if i if i'm walking into an area to go hunting and i get hit hit in the face by that smell i'm like uh-huh. oh you <laughs> know i just love it
0: first time i was near a male buck when he or Bull elk, rather. Oh, and he was peeing, he pees all over himself. God, yeah. it was far away, and that was kicking my butt. I yeah. was like... I'm telling you, sometimes... He had he had his
1: cologne on for sure, yeah. but it was like, woo. Like, the other night, I swear I rattled, and I could smell that deer coming before I saw him. I mean, the same one with the broken rack I was yep. talking about. I mean, literally, I was sitting there, and then, you know, my nose kind of perked up, and I was like, there's a buck over there. I knew exactly which direction he was in, and sure enough, he... Came cruising through,
2: and especially on a on a buck that you rattle in, oh, they're yeah. even amped up even more because they're ready to fight. They've already urinated all over themselves. The, they're just ugh, the
1: majority gross. of bucks that I've rattled in this year. I have watched make a scrape or thrash a tree, or I mean, it's like they get into that mm-hmm. area and they're they're going to try to show their dominance before they yeah you know, come all the way in. So most of those deer, I think, are doing that as they're walking towards you. You mm-hmm. know, they're you know hitting the tarsal glands up for one final little. Uh, shot of uh smell good before they they walk over there
2: and yeah, i'm good i mean i'm gonna pump myself up before a fight anytime that i'm mm-hmm. ready to go pick yeah. a fight so yeah. i mean it's the same process yeah. i'm gonna try to make myself be as big and bad as i possibly can before i fight
1: i'll tell you what i've got well i try not to fight in trouble <laughs> but uh i'm gonna go grab my phone it's in the other room i guess so i'll be back in 10 seconds i
0: have something real quick gabe and i did a piece together previewing the modern gun deer season one of the things he brought up you and i had um Ga- or Cody on the other day about right. the mass crop. He's in charge of it, and now it's spotty. This year, the best oaks were red oaks, and red oaks aren't as palatable to deer, but Gabe was telling me some interesting things to look for as we get on mm-hmm. late modern gun into muzzleloader.
2: Right. So with red oaks, they're less desirable, especially as they fall um, because of the tannin level. So they're, they don't taste as good to the deer. They're going to eat them, but it's not a preferred food when you guys for deer hunters when you know acorns are hitting the ground they're going to hammer those white oaks first mm-hmm. and then progress over to red um, and, and the reason they don't hit is because of tannins but as the season progresses and as those acorns lay on the landscape and they go through free stall and the season goes longer that tannin level decreases through time so as as our season progresses they're going to hit those red oaks more and more and more and I mean, I love a big red oak tree in our December muzzleloader mm-hmm. season that, you know, it's in you know, someplace you know, especially in central Kentucky, mm-hmm. you've got the big red oak that's kind of that lone tree or a couple mm-hmm. of lone trees out in the middle of a field or a field edge. I love hunting over those. And red oak's been, been a pretty good producer in the state this year. So uh, you know,
0: that's... Well, Rick said they're already crunching on his chinkapin oaks, which yeah. is in the red oak family mm-hmm. out at his farm. So uh, he said they were burning them up the other night.
2: And, and it's not surprising with a uh, white oak pretty much failure at this point there's not a lot mm-hmm. and so that they're gonna they're gonna hit them pretty hard when since there are a lot there
0: well they eat hickory nuts on occasion
2: uh, they're gonna, they're gonna very... have to work i mean it's uh, they might but uh, i mean uh, i think that nut's gonna have to be almost worked over by a squirrel or something before mm-hmm. i don't think they have the strength
0: to get uh, through that
2: uh, to get through that wall that, uh, that hall to be able to bite yeah. down on a full nut i mean in the case absolutely not but if if the case has gone off of it and it's just a nut they might be able to but it's gonna be some work
1: um 204 inch deer was killed in shelby county yesterday by the way nice that's a rough score but uh i I trust them they use one of those trophy tapes Mm -hmm. i saw a 203 come out of madison earlier this year too
0: Mm -hmm. damn um but they'll dry down correct
1: a little bit, but not no, a no, ton. No, no. You're, gross. Still, you're still talking about 200-inch deer there. 200
2: bro. inches of antler. Yeah, that's all
1: I would uh, Sign me up. <laughs> I mean, yeah. He can yeah. drink all he wants. I'll, I'll take a 200-inch all day. Jump into some of these questions, Isaac Kent says, if you're going to have Gabe on the podcast, please have him explain how CWD works so people understand it. We already kind of touched on that. Mm-hmm. Uh, we didn't really say what CWD actually is, though.
2: Right. So CWD is is very similar. I like to use references to mad cow. Most people know what mad cow so it's a fatal, always fatal neurological disease that they get. Um, they essentially waste away to nothing. Uh, their their brains form holes and spongiform. Um, so it's a, a wasting disease where they, they get their normal, It has a very long incubation period. They can be, from the time they're exposed to where they're actually showing the signs, can be 18 months to two to three years. So oh, wow. it, uh, it can be a, a long time uh, before they actually show those signs. So it's hard for us as managers to look at something and say, yeah, that's got CWD and that one doesn't. Mm-hmm. Um, so why we have to take samples from all different kinds of animals. Um, there's lots of different modes of transmission. Um, we know that in the body, um, the brain and spinal cord are your most infectious parts, but um, saliva is one of the more infectious materials out there. So, you know, especially on a whitetail, they're very uh, communal. So they're licking and slobbering over each other and just by their nature, they're going to spread the disease um you know it's 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 tough cwd you know people refer to that as the zombie deer disease and that's not a great example but it's one of the better ones honestly because of it's such a hard thing to talk about i mean it's a prion which is a protein and you can't really kill it you you can't kill it you just denature it and it can persist in the environment for years it can be taken up by plants and live in the soil we we know a lot but we don't know a lot on that and What we do know, we've learned a lot from the the cattle industry, from Mm -hmm. mad cow. A lot of research goes into mad cow. There's a human form, uh, Kretzfeld-Jakob's disease, Mm -hmm. and then there's scrapie in sheep. So those are all similar diseases uh, that behave the same way. They're just species-specific.
0: Now, is there any evidence that COED has jumped to humans from consuming Infected deer.
2: So no evidence right now uh, that says that. CDC warns that to always have your animal tested. Of mm -hmm. course, do not eat that deer or elk if it has CWD. But there's not been any evidence to suggest that it it can jump.
1: Yeah, I think that's something Christine, Doctor Christine Casey, our vet, Mm -hmm. hit on. uh, Basically, World Health Organization advises against eating Mm -hmm. it, but it hasn't been confirmed that it. It hasn't been shown that it can happen. Mm-hmm. Um, Southpaw Outdoors has a picture of a doe with kind of black spots and boils on her. Yep. Any, any, what, what can cause that?
2: More than likely, it's what we call cutaneous fibroma, so deer warts what that is. It's just right. warts. Yep, it's warts that it can look bad. You see it a lot on the places where the skin's tight, so the face, underneath the arms and legs. Um, it, it's, the deer's completely safe to eat. Doesn't really affect them unless it gets around their eyes and causes issues with vision or with being able to eat.
1: I have seen it pretty bad on deer's faces before. Yep. I just didn't know exactly what it was. Yep. Bill Dance Jr. He, uh, mm-hmm. how does the deer stay? Yeah, he, this guy <laughs> likes to fish. I see his stuff all the time. <laughs> how does the deer stay so lean? Like, what? Where does it get its protein from? I guess he's talking about what grasses or what food sources give the deer the protein. Because I mean, they are big
2: muscular animals. Yeah, they so. are, and I mean, a lot of testosterone in, the, in our bucks this year. But they're going to get protein from different things to eat, acorns. I'm mm-hmm. um, assuming their bodies yeah. are kind of adapted.
0: To... Nuts are high protein. I mean, yep.
1: you look at all the biggest animals in the world, they're all herbivores. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, an elephant, a giraffe, you know, whatever, the, any of the, you know, elk, cattle, anything, any, the biggest animals are all herbivores. Mm-hmm. Um, Logan Miracle Fishing is the bovine tuberculosis and deer something to be worried about. Kind there of, we go. Kind of hit on Not that. No, sir. Nope. Not unless you live in the lower UP. Lower, yeah, lower
2: mm-hmm. peninsula.
1: Of Michigan. Um, let me scrim through this one. Uh, we already kind of hit on this. Jake T. Fishing asking about, he called it, why do you think blue tongue has been more prominent this year and how do we plan on fixing the issue? I mean, really, it, it, was, it wasn't blue tongue this year. Right? Yeah, I mean, you can kind of touch on that real quickly.
2: Yeah, I mean, as far as fixing the issue, we can't. I mean, it's something that we cannot control. Um, what we really kind of hope is that we are, we are exposed every year. So the South deals with this every year. They have HD outbreaks. And the issue is the disease vector and the midge. The, the midge that carries hemorrhagic disease doesn't live in Kentucky just because of our climate. So they, they die from the frost. And they don't die in the south. So they're always present in that system. And where we are, we just we get them some years and some years we don't.
1: So because we've had, I mean, we've had a couple frosts statewide now. Mm-hmm. Uh, because of that, we should see, you know, shouldn't see EHD. I had it this morning.
2: Okay. Yeah, I mean, at this point, that, those frosts have killed off multiple life stages. I mean, one frost is going to kill off all the ones that are alive. You're still going to have some brewing in the mud. Those are going to come back out. So after we've had a couple frost through time, like we have now, it's, it's done.
1: Josh Thompson here, I don't know if he's your biggest fan, Gabe. He said, why, uh, why did the department take the 15-inch minimum away on quota hunts? Um, is it an opportunity thing, and are we going to see a decrease in the size of bucks? Taken on WMAs since this has gone. But that was
0: only select WMAs, correct? So that's a a
2: great question. We had the 15 inch rule on six WMAs, um, and we took that off for a couple of things. So the point of a 15 inch rule is to protect a yearling deer. That thought process came out of the South, mm-hmm. and you know, for us, a, a yearling deer is you know smaller than that. Um, so we we were already seeing that also in the south they shoot multiple bucks two three four bucks they're allowed we're a one buck state Mm -hmm. we have seen through our through time and through qdm and the way people manage deer is that we're seeing a huge decline in our yearling harvest so fewer and fewer folks are shooting yearling deer so there's really not the need um to have that because they're recognizing those deer and they're letting them walk and then and then lastly we we it was a two part thing. We also removed the bonus bucks on our areas. What we had were we had folks who were coming onto our public areas, and they were shooting deer. They had no intentions of ever shooting because it was a bonus.
1: Yeah, okay. And so,
2: and so now we took that off. And that if you're willing to shoot that deer, you're burning your statewide tag. Mm-hmm. And whether that's a, you know, a ten inch wide six point or Boone and Crockett, you're using your your statewide tag. Yeah. And so we want to have everybody to have the flexibility. We were just to be honest, we're really struggling to manage our our quality on some of our areas.
1: So it's kind of a give and take. It sounds like, I mean, some of the changes are actually going to improve the quality of deer, Mm -hmm. you know, taking away those extra bonus tags. And uh, there's also more opportunity.
2: And and then there's one other point that I I wanted to hit on those 15-inch rules is you also have to be able to control the population. In a lot of our areas, they're just simply not big enough to manage. Mm-hmm. I, mean, I mean, you need to have enough acreage that a deer can spend its whole life on there and not walk off into the private and get shot that mm-hmm. doesn't have a 15 inch rule. Yeah. So a lot of them are long and linear. You know, We need big blocks. There's really only a few areas in the entire state where we could really Control the deer population truly on our management areas. Yeah. It's really defined by what goes on in the private. It'd be like Peabody and a couple of places that are
0: Peabody,
2: yeah, yeah. Big Rivers, some some of the was state there any the
0: issue of determining in the heat of the moment, early in the morning, is yeah. that a 15 inch or not? You yeah. know, I mean, it's tough. Yeah, it's tough. I mean. I mean, when, when you're talking about a size limit on a fish, you put it on the yeah. put it on your board and oh, squeeze the tail. Well, it's 14 and a half. It's 15 inch minimum. I got to put it back. You're setting
1: the hook and pulling the trigger are two different things. Yeah. You and got no, there is literally. no catch and <laughs> <or>
0: release hunt <laughs> you, br- you can't bring that bullet or that arrow back once yeah. it's yeah. gone. So, you know, I think
2: it was it was making people were a little frustrated with it. They thought it was managed to a, a better level than what it really was when they saw that 15 inch rule. Mm. So, um, you know, it was for us. It was a good decision to go away from that.
1: This guy's Instagram name is Aldoveros, which I like. (laughs) Um, He said he has what looks to be a big-bodied, mature buck on camera, but it doesn't have any antlers. So he's thinking it could have already shed or it just didn't grow any. Is that something that happens?
2: It's possible. I mean, who knows what's going on as far as biologically with that animal, damage to it. It's not out of the realm. I really just have to put my hands on it, really take a look at
1: it. I did notice uh, on the telecheck that one of the options is if if you're tagging a a male deer, Mm -hmm. you know, it asks you if it's antlered or antlerless. And if you select antlerless, it asks you if it has not grown antlers before or if it had already shed its antlers that it did grow. Is it, do we get quite a few people who have killed bucks that have already shed?
2: Not really. Uh, we start picking those up around Christmas time and into January. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you know, the traditional antler drop period is for us is February. February yeah. but you know, if that deer has gone through a pretty hard rut, it's it's dealing with some health issues. It's going to shed a little earlier. So um, we are trying to track that to see what kind of numbers those look like.
1: Redbeard all day was asking how you get deer counts on. Pieces of land such as WMA's. As far as deer counts go, yeah, like estimated deer populations. I mean, is that
2: we do on our WMA's, and that we leave that up to our managers on how they manage, monitor the populations. We provide them different toolkits, and they really just pick what they want, and whether that's a camera surveys or or spotlight counts or road density counts. So, we we estimate on a variety of ways, um, just so we can kind of gauge. But we really focus that effort on our big areas, ones that we can really control. Same thing population. you saying
1: Yeah. Because yeah, if you got a WMA that's just, you know, 800 acre track, 400 acre track scattered mm-hmm. around, then I mean, it's Nothing basically just in there do. with the rest of the land. Around yep. it, so.
2: Yeah, we're just offering opportunity at that point. Yeah. Well,
1: let's see what we have here. So is there anything new going on that is on your mind that you might want to get out there?
2: So uh, a couple things, good questions that I, I wanted to point out. Um, we've had a lot of questions about Crossbow season is one. We expanded crossbow season this year. So if you are a youth or you are resident 65 and older, you can use a crossbow during the entire archery season. And then if you don't fall in that category, crossbow season comes in the third Saturday in September and runs all the way through the end of the season in Martin Luther King Day in January. That's for deer. One big confusion is if you want to try to take a turkey with archery equipment those seasons did not change crossbow seasons did not change for turkeys so archery season for turkeys follows deer season like it always has but the crossbow season for turkeys is very limited so it's going to come in the first part of october go through the end of the early muzzleloader season go out at the end of early muzzleloader come back in during modern gun season and run through the end of december so just a a thing to keep in mind if you're a crossbow hunter for both deer and turkey. Uh, and then the other one is, your, is your, your deer take on your bag limits. So on your statewide bag limit, traditionally you've given two deer. Now you can take four. Um, and then there's an additional deer permit for 15 bucks that allows you two more deer. Mm-hmm. That antler deer, we're still one antler deer state. It can come on your statewide or on your first bonus or your second bonus, whatever, whenever, whatever deer you want to take. And, and then lastly, we have zone bag limits. So zone four, you can take two deer. Only one can be an antlerless deer. Zones uh, three and two, you can take four deer. Um, in zone three, you can only take one with a firearm. Zone four, all can be with any weapon. And then zone one, uh, unlimited dose.
1: So zone four, you said you're allowed two deer. One can be antlerless. Yes. So that means if you want to take both deer, you have to take an antlerless and an antler deer. Yep, yep. Um And those people in Zone Four, they might be saying, "Well, I just I thought you just said that, you know, you got four deer on your tag this year." So they said they buy their statewide tag; mm-hmm. they're good for four deer. They can only kill those up to two in Zone Four, but then they can go to another zone.
2: Yep. They and, can travel and go somewhere else.
1: Take take more. Yep. Um, and the, the crossbow point you made was a good one because I honestly I, that that thought hadn't crossed my mind. Yeah. I'm a, I'm a compound bow hunter, and I always buy my sportsmen's. So when I'm in the stand hunting for deer, you know I have the ability to take a turkey if mm-hmm. if one comes out. And uh, I'm, when I can see how people go to crossbow for the first time, because. It just got changed and they're wanting to take advantage of that. Yeah, I can see how that confusion would have been there. Because you're so used to sitting in the stand with your bow thinking, I can take a turkey if it comes in, that you almost don't even think about the fact that you've switched to a crossbow.
2: And we need to revisit that as an agency. That's not my my role as far as how we manage turkeys. But um, I think we need to have that discussion on. What do we allow for turkeys, and what that bag limit looks like in the fall? Now, obviously, so the management plans
1: are different for deer and for turkey, and so Absolutely. when you're when you're changing the crossbow season, that's tailored here towards managing the deer. Mm-hmm. But just because we change that doesn't mean we're we need it. I mean, you know what I mean? It's, yep. Yeah, keep just, keep the focus where it's meant to be. Correct. Um, let's see. So if that if you got it all out there, everything you need to do, uh, a quick recap. Basically, right now, bucks are, are getting territorial. Don't be afraid to grunt. Don't be afraid to rattle. Hunt travel corridors, places deer are, are just likely to pass through at. They're going through all hours of the day. I've had deer on my trail camera, bucks at 1 o'clock and at 2.15 this mm-hmm. afternoon. So, I mean, they're coming through. Um, and that's if you're a bow hunter. If you're a gun hunter this weekend, wear your hunter orange. Be safe and maybe get somewhere you can see the field edge, you can see the, you know, the edge of a wood a little bit more visibility. If I'm, if I'm gun hunting and I feel comfortable, let's just say, shooting 200 yards, I wanna get where I can you know, cover the most area that I think deer are gonna be with 200 yards. So mm-hmm. sometimes I'll set up in a little patch of woods out in the middle of a field where I have tree line kind of surrounding me at 200 yards, things like that. Um, and then we got sports. You want know, tell me what you think about Sportsly.
0: Well, I was surprised and happy that uh, UK beat Michigan State last night. I wasn't surprised, I, to be honest with you. I, I feel good about it. Did you? I like our returning guards. Yeah. I t-
1: mean, I like Hagen's a lot. I like Quickly a lot.
0: I just, I, the, I'm just worried about down low, how, how much heft we're going to have. But if Nick can do that every night with a sprained ankle, if he can do it when he's not, just give us that, then we're going to be fat.
1: Yeah, know? we're going to beat teams hopefully on the perimeter this year. Yes. Um, Yeah, I was happy with that too. Uh, Louisville looked good as well. Mm -hmm. I think that they kind of, those two teams kind of match up differently. Louisville obviously has a really good guard in Jordan Ward. I think Kentucky overall dominates the guard play though. Mm -hmm. Um, Louisville does have a really good front court with um, Enoch in there, Mm -hmm. and they have Malik Williams and then Aiden Gahan to come in off the bench, I guess. So. Both really good teams. I like Kentucky mm-hmm. right now. I mean, Kentucky looked like a number one team last night. I know that Michigan. I mean, first game of the year, you can throw a lot of that stuff out the mm-hmm. window. But
0: I, I liked it better than last year when we got pummeled. 37 points. Puke. Was I turned boring. that game off. <laughs> yeah, I did too. I was like, well, I'm done with this. <laughs> <Yeah>.
1: <laughs> you know. At least we rebounded fairly well. You know, I, mm-hmm. with this year's team, though, I'm I'm thinking. Final four, hopefully. I mean, they look really good, barring no injuries. And that one kid, uh, Mackie, that's his name, right? Mackie, number three. He, I mean, he looked really good. He's pulling up confidently. Maxie. I knew I was saying it wrong. He looked really good, really confident stroke. If he misses one or two of those shots, I can see Cal pulling him out, though, pretty quick. But uh, fun to watch. Football, it's a little depressing right now. UK fan, you know, we're running our our best wide receivers, our quarterback. Their best punt returner is our quarterback. But, I mean, right now it doesn't look so bad. I mean, Mm -hmm. seven wins is pretty possible. Louisville looks much better than I ever thought they would this Mm -hmm. year. Uh, Give a lot of credit to Scott Satterfield. And honestly, when those two teams play here in a couple weeks or a month or whatever it is, I'm a a Kentucky fan, but I would not put my money on Kentucky right now. You know what I mean? It kind of looks like... Mm -hmm. Louisville was
0: coming on strong. When Terry touched down, I saw that knee just buckle. Well, that was and, a change in the season. I mean, And, yeah. I mean, my heart sunk to my yeah. stomach. If, if, I was like, well this is not good. <laughs> you were this like, changes I mean, things. Well, I so, yeah. just knew immediately. You could tell way he grabbed it, way yeah. it just buckled. I was like, he's as, done. As he's
1: soon done. as Terry went down, you pulled out the calendar and flipped to November the 4th. <laughs> like, oh, let's see. How many days <laughs> until yeah. basketball One season? Basketball but we have. Somewhere. I mean, it,
0: it looked like it was going to be a complete disaster, but they have rallied, so I'm yeah. happy for that. Mm-hmm. So Gabe, if they get to a bowl after everything that's happened, it's been a good year.
1: Now, Gabe, you said you were an Ohio State fan.
0: Man, I'm,
2: I'm still in football mode. I know y'all are here. Well, that's fine. If you're an Ohio
1: State fan, you're the opposite of a Kentucky fan because you should be a football mode.
2: This is the best time to be a football. I mean, as far as a, a football fan, this weekend is just yep. going to be
0: phenomenal.
2: LSU and Alabama, Ohio State, Penn State. I mean, those are your two big marquee games well, That's in my what, mind. Well, I, I'm, I'm not, not James top...
0: Franklin's biggest fan, so if you went in and stomped him, I'd
2: like it. <laughs> I was, I was <laughs> loving
0: that we beat him last year. That was the yeah. best thing that ever happened. Yeah. Right.
1: Yeah, the playoff uh, rankings were revealed last night, right? Mm-hmm. Those are the top four teams, right? Yeah. All playing each other this all weekend? All playing each other this weekend. You think that's a little bit of a marketing ploy? Oh, I'm sure it is. Yeah. <laughs> they didn't do that Well, let's for, see with uh, the schedule next week. We got these
0: two playing. Well, you know
1: two of them are going to be out of that at yeah, the end of this like, week. That's so what I'm saying, Georgia and Clemson are sitting pretty where they're
0: at. Yeah, mm-hmm. for sure. So, and Clemson... Well, Clemson especially. Everybody just, all of a sudden, they're no good and they're undefeated, you yeah. know? Well, they're... The also awesome play
2: Absolutely nobody.
1: Yeah. yeah.
0: Clemson's schedule is like...
1: I mean, it's just... It's garbage. And that's
2: that's how they've been the last few years. They're a complete wild card. You don't really know what they are until you get into the playoff. Mm.
1: Yeah. Well, and honestly, you could have said the same thing, week schedule, week schedule last year, and then they come in there and they smoke Alabama. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So it's hard to say. I like Dabo, but right now, rankings. LSU, number one for me, just because they've proved it. Mm -hmm. I hate to say Ohio State, number two, but, I mean, they've shown more than Alabama... In my mind, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I mean, they've just been blowing people away, yeah. putting up crazy numbers. I like Alabama. And then for number four, Georgia took a loss. I'll take Clemson at four right now. Just yeah. because, I mean, and uh, Penn State, I have not watched Penn State play. I don't know much about them. So. They're
2: a pretty smash-mouth defense. That's one thing that's good about them. You know, I just, this weekend's going to be, be great. And it's what's really going to set the stage for the next couple weeks. Really. I, I'll so you be, couldn't I'll be stop watching. Benny
0: Snell when everybody and their grandmother knew he was getting the ball. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
2: Sorry. That was one of
0: my favorite games ever. Yeah,
1: that was a great game. <laughs> the last sports thing, Lamar Jackson looks really good. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I like watching
0: but him. But you see him, I can't believe his neck is like, God, he looks like a linebacker. But yeah, yeah. I mean, he still
1: moves like... Uh, no, like I know. Like a mean, gazelle.
0: I mean, it's amazing. It,
1: like, when he played at Louisville, I, I watched the Louisville highlights just so I could watch Lamar make people look ridiculous. Mm-hmm. And now you can watch the Ravens highlights and watch Lamar more make people look ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Like, the best players in the NFL. He goes out there and he just makes them all look like a, a step slower.
0: Just in the NFL, being a mobile quarterback, though, you're, you know. Hey, he doesn't take hits. Yeah. Um, Somehow time he. Will, time know, will tell. I that mean, I remember yeah. RG3, when when he got smoked on the, when they hit his knee at the end of his rookie season, he was playing great and they hit his knee. He was never the same. So, that yeah. Game,
1: I so. mean, yeah. it's kind of give and take. If you're a mobile quarterback, then you probably open, you, you, it seems like you open yourself up to more big hits downfield, right? Mm-hmm. But if you're a pocket quarterback, you're just standing there and getting smoked. Mm-hmm. And at least a lot of defenders are trying to run and catch up to Lamar. They're trying to, you know, it's glancing. It seems like he gets, you know, hit with a glancing blow, or you know, he gets tackled, you know, from doesn't behind. Doesn't take just many can, directs. You know, he Yeah, he doesn't get, you know, just full on smoked by, uh, you know, Palomalo just mm-hmm. hitting him as fast as he can possibly hit him right in the chest. So mm-hmm. it could be a give and take. What you worry about with Lamar and those athletes is basically the knees like yeah. you said because I mean you can yeah. cut too hard you saw
0: it when RG RG3 and he just buckled when he you know, the league
2: looks a lot different now than what it did even when RG3 got RG three got hit I mm-hmm. mean now they're protecting those quarterbacks to the where it's it's hard for a defensive player to tackle and then when you take a a mobile quarterback, and then you got to get him, you know, above the waist, but not by the head. You got a really small target. It's hard. Mm-hmm. It would be very hard as a defensive player to try to tackle Lamar. Well,
1: I think that without, when you're, with those it, rules. if you got no, a quarterback no. and he takes off running, and this might be how the rule is, at that point he's a running back to me. Tackle him just like you would a running back. You know, protect the quarterback when he's standing in the pocket, just like a defenseless receiver. Mm-hmm. But when that receiver catches the ball, he's no longer. I mean, he's now.
2: Once you're out of that pocket, you should be yeah, free game. I agree.
1: Yeah. I was never a quarterback. No, uh, <laughs> <laughs> all right guys i say we call it quits we've talked enough sports that was fun though most of the yeah. guests don't don't know sports that, that much no, oh man i'll them. talk all day well that's good <laughs> we'll have you back in then i'm gonna go hit the woods cool. so hopefully it's cloudy, I'm going not fishing hard yeah, have you looked outside this one it's gotten dark uh, in here quick it's, it's gotten really dark I've, i have not looked at the weather i thought it was supposed to be sunny today
0: Well, uh, it's supposed to increase in cloudiness, and then about midnight it's supposed to get rain so. Anyway,
1: I'm gonna go hunt deer, you're gonna go catch fish. Gabe, I don't know what you're doing. to go do. crunch numbers. Crunch numbers. <laughs> Keep I on like working. what we're I'm doing better.
0: better. <laughs> All right, thanks
1: for coming on guys.